Hi everybody, this is John Forrester with Out of Character. Today I wanted to talk about something that I just started kind of looking into uh, over the last day or so. Some of you may be aware of this game already, but I kind of just stumbled on it in the last day or so. So the game is called Star Trek Adventures. Uh, it is a Star Trek role-playing game that is currently being play-tested. Uh, it's being put out by Modifius. Basically, the way I stumbled across it was social media. So, someone posted the the ad that they're looking for play testers, and uh, I like the idea of it. I like Star Trek. I'm very excited by the idea of there being a new RPG that's actually producing stuff for it. So, I definitely wanted to take a look at it. Got my hands on the play testing materials. I'm not going to reveal anything. If you want to play test it, they're looking for play testers. There's, and I don't want to get in trouble for sharing things that I'm not supposed to. So. But yeah, go go to their website, sign up to be a playtester. They're doing some really cool things where you can choose, like, there there is, like, a mission that's the standard starting mission for everyone, and then there's, like, different mission, different ships you sign up for. There's, like, a science vessel, there's, like, a very tactical vessel, and then there's, like, a blend of all kinds of missions vessel. A while back on the podcast, we did one episode of a Star Trek role-playing game uh, with Jason and Sebastian. Some of you might remember it. It was set in our own fictional future version of the Star Trek universe uh, many years after the Dominion War. We did one episode of it, and we never went back to it. Not because Jason or Sebastian did anything wrong. It just, the episode wasn't very good. I, I don't think it was very good. If you want to go back and listen to it, it's still up. Maybe you'll disagree with me. But uh, part of the problem I had with that was just the system was that we used was really, really clunky. Uh, I thought about going back to it and reworking it with, with just uh, using, like, Fate or something like that. But when I do Fate, to me, I didn't want to do Star Trek as a Fate game. So it kind of fell by the wayside, and we just moved on to other things. So when I was like... And there's been a couple of different Star Trek role-playing games. So when this caught my eye, I was like, it'd be great if there was a Star Trek role-playing game that was good and really did capture the feeling of the Star Trek universe and that was fun to play and not just this huge pile of rules. So I got the stuff this morning. I read through it kind of like on my lunch break and, you know, uh, a little bit before and after work. And I love this game. Um, I realize it's still in the play testing phase. So, you know, everything is subject to being changed. The, uh, you know, it can definitely be expanded upon and added to, but I think it is a fantastic game as is, uh, and with some retooling and reworking, I definitely think it's going to be a fantastic thing. So um, I know that there's going to be playtests being run at Gen Con in 2017. The other cool thing is the game is going to feature a line of miniatures, and uh, I believe while supplies last, if you're at Gen Con in 2017, you can get a Picard or a Kirk mini if you you know, sign up to be part of the playtest. So this is one of those things that I'm really looking forward to be seeing if I can make it to Gen Con next year. I really hope I can, if only to play this game, because I really do want to get a chance to, to play with it as much as possible. So what makes it good? What's cool? What's, without revealing, like, you know, too much about it. The thing that I, I really do enjoy about it is just, it takes, so, what, they, there, there's a lot of great stuff here. I, I love the setup of kind of like, uh, it does kind of put you, you know, like like a lot of role-playing games, 
your characters in the playtest materials, if not the final book, do kind of find themselves you are in a region that is not, you know, all the edges of the map have not been filled in. It's kind of on the frontier. Uh, Adventures in Middle-Earth does something very similar with the Wilderlands, where you are out in the Wilderlands and they need help to kind of resettle these areas that fell into chaos when smog was in control. I like that it, you know, it, it follows this, like, you're not in deep in Federation space. Uh, the game as presented and based on the material online, it is, for the core, going to be about being a Federation member or a Federation officer or part of the, uh, you know, one of the Federation races. Um, and they have said that they're going to be presenting materials to make a lot of those races, which is great. Because what's here with the, uh, the test characters that they give you and everything, it makes it really easy to make the races, which I love. Because one of the cool things about Star Trek is you have all these very iconic races like Vulcans and Trill and Ferengi and uh, Bolians, Romulans, etc., etc. Uh, so, you know, having a system that it's like, okay, how do I make, I want to make this race. I, I can definitely see, you know, them doing something where it becomes very easy to make the races as you, as you, you know, the, the different Federation races. They did also say, I believe, that they are going to be, like, source books for, like, doing Klingons and things like that. So, I know people like to play Klingons because we have a lot of fans of, like, Worf and characters like, you know, other cool... People just like Klingons, uh, which is fine. I like Klingons. I think they're cool. The the core book is definitely focused on, you know, just generally giving you the feel of, like, being on a starship and uh, being in, in Starfleet. Some of the things that I really do like... One thing that I think they did extraordinarily well, as I said, is uh, just really capturing the feeling of Star Trek. Uh, really kind of... The, the, the character sheets that they give you for the test characters are one page. There's... All the information you need is here. It gives you, you know breakdown of kind of like what is my character what am i doing who am i what's going on but you're not overwhelmed with stuff uh you're not just like i don't understand anything that's going on this character the the game we did for the other star trek game there was like two or three pages i can't even remember character creation took so long in that game i kid you not we sat there for like an hour and a half to two hours and they had already talked about their characters it wasn't like we sat down and just started making characters. That, I would understand. Just the mechanical aspect of it took forever. This, obviously, these are pre-made characters, but, you know, this does not look like a system that takes hours to make a character. So thank you for making a Star Trek game that I can actually make, you know, hopefully, once we do have the rules for character creation, it doesn't overwhelm me with information. Some games, it's like there's just so much stuff. That's one of the things that I do like about games like Fate where the information I need is there. I'm not just overwhelmed. Like, there's a million things going on. You, know, you have your character's name, their species, their values, which is just the core of their identity, uh, and that does have, a you know, what, what makes your character who they are, your various attributes, your skills, your focuses, the, the specific talents, and then there's, like, your stress, which kind of is like your health. It's basically how much you can get knocked around and weapons and attacks. That's it. It is literally, like, the longest character sheet is for a Vulcan who has a bunch of Vulcan stuff, like being able to do mind melds and being able to um, do the Vulcan nerve pinch. I don't know if that's... I would imagine that's going to be something that, like, all Vulcans can do 
But uh, yeah, I mean, I really do love the uh, the be- the beginning characters that are the playtest characters that are presented because um, you know you do have a Vulcan, you have some Andorians, you have a Trill, you you do of course have a lot of humans. I think there's a um, a Tellarite. There's one of them is a Tellarite and uh, a Denobulan. Who, uh, if you watched uh, Enterprise, I, I think the the doctor on that show was a Denobulan. Uh, I might be wrong on that, though. Maybe I'm misremembering the name of that species. But, uh, you know, so you have some species that we've seen a lot, like Vulcans, and species that we've seen much less. Uh, I always liked Trills. I was really excited. I'm like, oh, my God, they made a Trill character. Trill are so cool. And they kind of get ignored because they, you know, they don't go off and have, like, cool space wars like the Vulcans or the Romulans or the Klingons. So I love the idea that, like, okay, we're – this this – core book is like federation federation species and you know starship stuff without i because I, I don't want to just spend time describing a bunch of mechanics that may change as the play test goes on and stuff but basically it is kind of like you're assembling your pool of 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 dice uh it's a 2d20 system so you're you're you know you're rolling d20s uh which most of you will be familiar with um basically when you're trying to, whatever you're trying to do, you're trying to basically, like, you're looking at, like, okay, what am I trying to do? Uh, what ability would, you know, basically, like, what attribute would govern what I'm trying to do? Or are you trying to do XYZ thing? What, um, what skill can I apply to this? Maybe you are really good. And the skills are fun because... Uh, in Star Trek, you have, you know, officers who are, you know, they're experts in command or engineering or security, or you have the science officers and the medical officers or the con officers who are, they're basically doing everything that makes the ship actually move through space that the engine, you know, they, they, the engineers keep the ship running. They're the ones that keep the ship moving and kind of, I think they get ignored a lot. The con off the con guys kind of do a lot of stuff that gets overlooked. But basically, you're assembling your dice pool, and you're looking at your skills and your attributes, and you're trying to set a target number. Now, what's interesting in this game is you're trying to basically roll equal to or less than your target number. Those are classified as successes. And then if you roll higher than that, you have failures. Every task has a very has a different target goal, like very easy things might have a difficulty of zero. And very difficult things, I think, can have, like, a difficulty, like, up to five, possibly more. Yeah, I think five. Five is, like, epic. Five is as high as it goes. The thing that makes that... Okay. When it comes to games with, like, the dice pooling system, where you're looking at a bunch of different things, and you're taking things and putting them together like that, I've seen... I personally like that, because it makes me think, what is my character going to do in that situation? I do know some players don't like that so much just because, like, I, I've seen, like, we did the Marvel Heroic role-playing game, which is, like, you're literally building a pool of different dice for different abilities and skills every time you're doing it. This is a fixed number, which is hugely helpful. Uh, you're just, your, your target number varies. But um, what I like about it is when you have, like, okay, get all my dice, assemble my target pool, and roll, it's like, okay, I'm not pulling different dice and be like, oh, I need my D8. I don't have an, I need another D12. Where'd my D12 go? Because, like, players will kind of get, like, yanked in and out of character. They'll be like, okay, my Andorian security officer wants to beat up this Jem'Hadar soldier 
who is trying to, you know, overload our warp core. John, the person playing the Andorian, is now going to try to figure out what dice I need in order to do that. And you can see them struggling with it the entire time they play. Some players never have a problem with it. They can just go in and out of that without any difficulty whatsoever. Uh, some players, it just drags them in and out of role play and drives them crazy. I think that what they did here was they have a bit of the best of both worlds, where you have fluctuating targets. You don't. It's not just that static roll a d20 and add x and you succeed or you fail. Um, there are other things you can bring into it, like uh, momentum and uh, various abilities and skills that will let you roll extra dice or more dice or add d6s. Uh, I don't. Again, I'm not gonna do too much on mechanics because. When you have something that's in playtest like this, I don't want to be like, well, here's how this works, because this could all change. But I really like it, because like I, I like dice pool systems, but they do have that challenge of like players struggling with what dice you need. So this, having like, okay, you look at these numbers, you add them, that's it. it it's not like, I don't understand. You, you're, you're looking at what your character is, adding it together, and rolling some d20s. Then you can choose to be like, well, I didn't get what I needed or I want to try to do better, you can add things to those roles through various skills and abilities and mechanics. Another thing that I do like, and this does kind of go with Star Trek in general, combat in this game is vicious and brutal, and you can die very, very quickly. When characters... The only fights I can really think of in Star Trek uh, not counting stuff from, like, the very first series, because those fights tend to go on a lot longer. Like, where you have characters who are just duking it out for a long period of time are, like, some of Worf's fights from Deep Space Nine. Other than that, other than, like, the occasional Klingon grudge match, most of the fighting that you see in Star Trek tends to be very quick, and more often than not, someone, if, if like, weapons are out, someone's going to end up dead. Uh, you know, you have, like, this Klingon disruptors that are, like, I, you, I shoot this person, and they're, you know, just gone. Now, that's not to say that there's not an opportunity to live. I, I just think that, you know, you, it's it's interesting because, like, they don't just kind of, like, in a setting like this where it's, like, okay, this is not, like, a traditional fantasy role-playing game like many, like many people. But this is a science fiction game, and it's Star Trek. You know, death is, you know a realistic outcome for a lot of what can happen. Your shuttle explodes. Your character is probably going to die. You get stabbed with, a, you know, a bat left. Okay, well, you take a ton of damage and you're bleeding to death. Um, you know, uh, so like, the thing is, if you get injured, you don't just die necessarily. Uh, you, you, you know, you're injured, your character is limited in what they can do when you need to be treated. So... You know, you'll need, like, surgery, probably, to, depending on what kind of injury you have. And this makes the character who's like, I want to play a medical officer, or I want to play a scientist with medical training. You're very handy now, because when they need someone to heal them, you are a, a vital, much-needed member of the team. Uh, so you have, you know, all these great medical officers, like, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Crusher, uh, you know, the EMH, uh, the doctor from Voyager, uh, Kess even, uh, from Voyager also, who was, uh, or Tom Paris having, you know, medical training, Dr. Bashir, all those characters with who we always saw, like, kind of 
patching everybody up. I just love the idea of like, uh, you know, I, I, I don't, I, I read this and I don't worry about the character who's like, you know, it's like, I want to play like a doctor. I played a doctor in the Star Wars role-playing game uh, from Fantasy Flight, and I did that because I wanted to be a doctor. So I would say this is a game where it's like, my character gets injured fighting a Romulan, and you're like, you know, going around with your medical tricorder and your hypo spray, and you're like fixing up the your, your crew members. while It's this big dynamic thing of like, this great vision with this game is set up where it's like, you're helping the other players, and you're like, okay, I'm gonna perform surgery on this character because they got injured fighting these Romulans, and you can have some great role play while the mechanics support it. The mechanics don't get in the way of role play, and I really like that. Another thing that I do like with the combat system is they're setting up zones. So basically, like a zone is, uh, you know, you, in Star Trek, you have all these big battles and things. Where, like, you know, you have multiple parts of the ship or, like, huge areas where all these battles are unfolding. The zone is, like, if you read, if you played Fate, it kind of works on a similar principle where it's like, okay, here's an established area and this is what's going on in this area. Here's an established area over here that's nearby that's, like, X number of distance away. And you build out from there. So you can have different zones that are part of the same event but there's different things going on. You know, over here, we have three Jem'Hadar who are attacking, like, these Starfleet security officers who are NPCs, and our medical officer is, like, over here with another member of the party who's like, okay, we need to evacuate these people from the sick bay before the Jem'Hadar come in and kill everyone. Just a quick example. And you can do a lot of things, like, you know, you can move between the zones, the zones do interact, you can shout to your other players, you can, you know attack people in other zones, it's just like the further you are, you, the further you are away from a given zone, the, the the more separation there's between the two, the harder it is to interact. Like, you know, shooting someone when you're in one zone and they're in two zones out is much harder than if they're right next to you, obviously. Uh, it's not so focused on, like, I can move this many feet or that. It's like, okay, what zone am I in? Um, I do think that that system, I, I really, really like it. Uh, it works incredibly well in the Dresden Files RPG, for example, with which is Fate. Uh, what I love with systems like that, where it's like, okay, you can draw that out on a piece of paper in a few seconds. Like, okay, here's the medical bay. Here's the hallway outside of the medical bay. Uh, here's, like, the, the doctor's office. Here's the surgery bay. And you have, like, uh, these corridors branching off where there's more stuff going on. You can draw that on a piece of paper and everyone knows exactly where everyone is and say, I want to be here, I want to be here, I want to be here. You're off to the races. You're, you're, you know, you're playing the game and uh, you can move around. Since they are doing miniatures for the game, that's great because if you want to play with minis, I, I love that there's going to be Star Trek minis because it's like, okay, cool, I can get the minis that I want so I can, you know, actually have some Klingons or what have you. Um, the zone system works really well for people who don't like in D&D where it's like, okay, I can move this many feet. One, two, three, four, five. Okay. Then I shoot. And then, you know, you get bogged down. You don't want players who are getting super bogged down in the tactics of like, what am I doing as far as moving and stuff? It's like, I, okay, you're here. Do you want to be somewhere else or do you want to continue to be in this zone? Is there something that you need to be doing over there? The engineer needs to get to the warp core to stop it from breaching. You're probably not going to stay in this zone because you need to get to the turbo lift out in the hallway. Okay, 
you have a clear line of action for what you're doing. Obviously, moving between different zones takes different amounts of actions. Like, you know, you can be sprinting around and stuff, but it's straightforward and relatively easy. They have some really cool stuff with the weapons that defines, like, what these weapons can do. You have everything from, like, weapons that are just, you know, built for, like, not... Um, One thing I really like also, they provide examples to explain a lot of the key mechanics. And it's it's stuff that happened in the... They use characters that were from the the various television series, and uh, they... They do it in a way that it's like you can you can see it playing out in your head. In fact, I'm pretty sure some of these are lifted directly from episodes of the show, which is cool. I really like that because like that shows, you know, it's like, oh, they're fans of the show, obviously, or they wouldn't do that. Um, for me, I, I, I don't classify myself as like a hardcore Star Trek fan. I've watched most of the shows. I like them, but... I know a lot of Star Trek fans are very, very detail-oriented about stuff, so I, I'm nowhere near that scope. I look at it as, I really like the universe, it's a lot of fun, and I want to play in it. Um, <laughs> I like that the idea, there's the idea that like your character has these key values, and they're defining aspects of the character that you're playing. Uh, you establish what they are, but in some instances, they may help you, they may you know be like, well, this, for example... If you happen to be playing a Trill and you dislike Ferengi, you're one of your previous host's lives had a really bad experience while dealing with some Ferengi, and that has carried on ever since. It is, you know, rooted in your psyche at this point. You might come into a point where it's like, my character, you, you get a mechanical benefit for it if the GM, if your GM is like, well, you will gain a benefit for this if you choose not to do, if you choose not to try to rescue these Ferengi or you distrust them or X, Y, Z thing. And that to me is a lot like fate uh, where you have the fate points. Now it's different too, because it's, here's what I really like about it. If you, you can overcome those things though, you're not like X or Y, you don't have to go with it or against it. You can say like, okay, I, I overcome this thing. I overcome this aspect of myself. Uh, you know, there's some part of me that I have that has changed as a result of this. And you then cross that value off your sheet and it's gone. It's, you know, you'll get a new value. It'll be replaced. So, you know, you're not out of anything, but I, I really like that. It's a cool idea and it really does make these characters feel like they grow and evolve. And it's just like, I, I, when I'm reading this, it's Star Trek. It's perfect. It really does feel like, I mean, even just the way that the character sheets are laid out, it's like the skills are all like stuff that you would see the officers on Star Trek doing. Um, you know, and there's different focuses and things, so I don't know what all the focuses will be, but it's stuff like my skills are command and con and engineering, security, science and medicine okay uh you know maybe your character so it's like they're kind of divided between like the red green and the red yellow and green uniforms we see them all wearing uh where green is like medical officers and science officers uh yellow is like engineering and security and command and red is commanding officers and con and then within those you have the skills you'd expect like you know you might be really good at fixing transporters or you might be knowledgeable about xenobiology 
The thing that I love that they've done here is no kind of character feels like they're going to be shunted to the side and have nothing to do and be useless. At the same time, no character feels like they're going to be pigeonholed into one role. And I love that in Star Trek because you you have characters who can do everything. Yes, it'd be right to have Chief O'Brien when you're on a planet in a shuttle that's been damaged by an ion storm and you're trying to fix it. But we don't have him. We have Dr. Bashir and Quark. <laughs> you know, uh, you, you're, you're choosing kind of like, you, you can build with something this flexible. I don't see any reason why you couldn't build almost any character you can think of. And that's one of the great things about Star Trek. This game is, uh, for those who are interested, it does definitively say it is set in uh, the, the 24th century, so like the next generation era. Um, I think that they also said there is going to be some stuff for like immediately before and after that. And, uh, they are not doing stuff in like the JJ Abrams universe, the reimagined timeline and all that. So realistically, I, I don't see any, re- if you really like the JJ Abrams universe, I like those movies. Uh, once the book comes out, I don't see any reason why people couldn't like do a game in the JJ Abrams universe. I, there's nothing here that's like, no, you cannot do that. But with the playtest materials that are coming out now and the way that they're gearing things, I wouldn't expect to see, you know, they're, they've said they're going to be like uh, books. In the, in the book, they'll be like statted out NPCs for like, I'd imagine, pretty much every Star Trek character you can think of. But the versions you're going to see are going to be the ones that were in the older shows and movies, not so much the stuff that is in the newer universe. Um, for better or for worse, some people may like that, some people may not. I'm trying to think of what else I can realize. I'm really excited about this because, like, I, I I was looking at this and I was like, I'm like, okay, yep. Uh, the more I read through it, the more I liked it, and the more I liked the enthusiasm and the thought that had really gone into it. You, it does also really kind of reward working together. Your fr- your 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 crewmates, your friends, your whatever you are in this dynamic that you set up for your team. You're all working together. You can always help each other. Now. You can't, you know, it's like, okay, I want to help him to, I want to help her to try to fix the engine. You can add, you know, you can make your own kind of check and try to support that character who's doing that, which is great because, you know, the characters are all part of the same crew. Of course, they're going to try to work together. One of the easiest missions I can think of would be something where you have uh, two or three officers who have crashed or are being, you know, sent on a training mission and they don't like each other or, you know, there's some tension because, like, it's like, oh, this this officer doesn't like people from the moon because <laughs> they have the moon, the lunar colonies in Star Trek. Maybe they're like, uh, he's a he's a moony. We don't we don't like that. We don't like his kind. So it's kind of like that weird tension between these two characters that, you know, you can bring the value system into it early on and kind of... Because when you have this many different cultures, of course, there's so many great episodes of Star Trek that revolve around, like, everyone's culture is valid and everyone's culture is unique and wonderful. And part of Star Trek... The the thing that I love about Star Trek is it's all about embracing everyone's culture and everyone's heritage and being respectable of it and trying to learn from it, you know? Uh, You know, and... That's one of the things that I really like about Star Trek, and I think it really does capture that very, very well. I know that they said there will be, like, rules for ship-based combat, 
Those are not presented in the playtest materials, so I don't know what they're actually going to be, but I look forward to seeing it. I think it'll be cool. The game actually encourages you to be crazy. It says one of the, the sections is titled So Crazy It Just Might Work, because half the stuff they do in these shows and movies is just insane. It shouldn't work. But I, I love that the game kind of like encourages you to take chances, be risky, you know, like Miss Frizzle said, get messy, make mistakes, and maybe get blown out of an airlock and explode. But who knows? Maybe not. Um, I do like games where, you know, and I'm sorry I'm jumping around here, guys, but uh, I like games where combat is like, okay, Forge and Hadar come out. Oh, shit, that's not good. Um, <laughs> you know, we have like three characters. Uh, we're probably in trouble. Um, and in that instance, like, the, it's a lot of, as far as, like, initiative and turn order and stuff goes, the way it works is, the GM basically looks at it as, like, okay, these Jim'Hadar just appeared out of, you know, thin air using their cloaking ability. It makes sense that they are going to be the ones that are going to kind of open this up and one of them attacks you and stabs your character with, a, you know, his knife, his combat knife. At that point, initiative kind of, like, gets handed around a bit because it's it's not something that, like, okay, everyone roll, what do you, what's your initiative modifier? Okay, you have a plus two, you have a plus four, Dave, you have a plus four, okay, great, uh, roll for the Jem'Hadar, and no, that doesn't happen. Basically, it's what fits with that scene. Uh, there is a mechanic where you can say, like, I want to use this resource that I have to hold on to the initiative. There are certain um, talents that let you grab initiative back. So it does feel like it's like, you know, oh, what are we going to do to kind of like, do we want to let the Jem'Hadar get another shot off at us? Or do we want to kind of leave things as are? And, you know, basically it gets handed around until everyone goes. Um, but it's, it makes initiative feel like, it makes turn order feel like it matters. It's strategic. So, you know, those characters who are like, oh, well, I have this thing that I can... I can be more effective as far as like turn order goes in combat. That's great. That's the perfect time to use that. You might be able, maybe that character who was injured is like, okay, he's out of the fight. She's out of the fight. And the, you know, then, then the Klingon picks up the bat and goes to work on the Jamhadar. Um, so, I mean, it's, that's really interesting. Uh, and to me, like, Star Trek combat is nasty. Like, fistfights and stuff like that are bad enough, but when you have, like... And I'm sorry if I said this before, but, like, some dude gets hit with a bat left, or, uh, you know, some woman gets shot with a disruptor, they're probably, I mean, you know, gonna be, at best, seriously injured, if not dead. I do like the fact that in that universe... In this universe they've established, like, it's like there's, there's strict guidelines for, like, bringing someone back from the dead... Um, you know, this character, yeah, I think it's like you have, like, they have to have died within like a half hour and it's, uh, it's a surgery. It's like a, you know, a surgery check similar to if someone was injured. Um, and if you fail it, the character's dead, they're just dead. That's it. Uh, they do kind of reference that there is, you know, technology and species that may be able to do that. But even in this universe where you have like the wonders of science, occasionally people will die and I love that for a game like this because it's really sad. And some of the episodes of Star Trek and the show and the points in Star Trek where you're like, this 
was a big moment is like, you know, you, you look to the future and it's like they have all this technology, they have all these things. And it's really sad when any member of the crew dies. And I, I think it would be a really poignant moment for any role player to be like, okay, your character has died, you know, and they have like the, uh, maybe they have the traditional. I always love that in Deep Space Nine because you had the Dominion Wars and they had characters who would die on those shows. And it, they, those guys were amazing. The writers on that show were amazing because they could make you give a crap about a character who you had never seen ever on that show, who shows up in one episode and dies. And you would be like, I really care about that character, and I'm sad that that character's dead. And then you'd be like, wait a minute, that character didn't... I mean, yes, maybe that character existed, but, like, I had no emotional connection to that character until now. So, when you have a game where it's like, there's no magic reset button, there's no, oh, well, we have, you know, uh, it's we have science, we'll just bring him back from the dead. No, he's dead. That's it. She's dead. That that member of the crew is gone. Let's role play out the funeral. Um, you know, and there's nothing to do. It's just like so I do think that if you're gonna play this, it might be a good idea to have a spare character in your back pocket. Um as I said, combat is brutal, fast, and it can very, very rapidly end with you ki- being killed. I don't think, you know, this is not necessarily the case, but I think, like, a, a lot of encounters with some more dangerous things might end up with you being like, okay, this only lasted, like, maybe two or three turns, and then... But the other thing I like is, like, they advise, like, fights aren't going to be the to the death. In a lot of role-playing games, like, every fight is, like, every fight is to the death. You know, tooth and nail. Yes, if the Borg are invading Earth then the Federation officers are probably going to fight to the death because that's what's on the line, the extinction of their race, or they're going to save it. But they explicitly say here, like, look, a a lot of fights are going to end up with, like, a tactical retreat or withdrawal because that's to their advantage. It's not a question of cowardice. It's stupid to fight when we have no chance of victory. There's nothing to benefit us from losing this fight, and we're actively hurting our, our cause here. So I like that because it's like, okay, the Romulans are attacking you. You pull back or they pull back because they're losing. Not, okay, the Romulans attacked us and we kicked their butts in round one. And then the last remaining Romulan just goes on a suicide run. That could happen, sure. But more than likely, I would think that the Romulan would be like, I surrender or run away or try any of those other things. So I love that, and I love encouraging players and GMs to be like, okay, don't just, like, they can do something besides fight to the death. They don't have to always fight to the death. Um, I'm trying to think what else is really good here that I can, like, delve into. There are, like, traits for various uh, traits, like, you know, superhuman attributes, uh, you know, they might be immune to certain things. They could be a machine, or uh, this is stuff for like uh, some of the species in Star Trek have. But um, yeah, I mean, the the system itself is just from for what's here. Look, go download the playtest materials. Uh, you know, go to check out the website, download it, look at it yourself. It, I I can't imagine anyone doing a better job than this. It's just it's. 
You can tell that the, the folks behind this put a lot of love and thought and care into it, and they made something awesome. And I love to see that because, like, when I was a kid, I used to watch Star Trek with my dad, and he's a big, he loves Star Trek. He likes, like, Kirk and Spock and uh, Bones. And I remember watching those old Star Trek movies with my dad. And, you know, that's kind of where my, my fascination with the Star Trek universe began. The movies more so than the TV, the first TV show. I, I don't think I really sat down and watched a Star Trek show until many years later. Uh, I was in, in college and I started watching Deep Space Nine and that was the show that really, and I watched Voyager a lot with my dad too. We both liked that show. Uh, so we watch that each week. Um, there's, you know, there's the test characters. There's a, an adventure that is, you know, kind of the starting point for everyone. Again, I don't want to give stuff away because I want people to, you know, have the chance to experience themselves. But here's what I will say. If you're a Star Trek fan, go try this stuff out. Go look at it. I, I loved it. The playtest stuff is good. I look forward to seeing how it evolves between now and when stuff becomes actually available in different playtest iterations. Uh, this is your, you know, it's always a good time to get involved with something when you're like, hey, this is still in that phase where changes can be made. This is still in that phase where the game is developing. So now is the time to voice any praise or concerns or thoughts that you have. Um, if you do like it, please support it. Definitely. Uh, you know, I mean, Anything like licensed properties like Star Trek, Dragon Age, uh, Final Fantasy, what have you, when it comes to the role-playing game stuff, that stuff, getting those licenses is hard, and it's definitely, you know, a costly thing. And so many great games just die because they don't get that support that they need. Whether you just want some cool Star Trek minis when the the minis start rolling out, you know, or you want to try the role-playing game, I would say just keep your eyes peeled for it, support it, and... You know, it, it, this game, I'm going to go on record as saying right now, if you just gave me just these materials, just what's in the playtest packets, this is my favorite Star Trek role-playing game. This might be, this might be one of my favorite, um, science fiction games, period. A lot of them are just very, very clunky and they, they're like, well, you're a medical officer, so you're this. You're an engineer, so you're that. You're a comm officer, so you're that. This lets you do stuff that is just like, these characters can go anywhere. You can do anything. You can be all over. You know, it's like you're a xenobiologist. And you pick up that phaser rifle, and in that instance, your your character does something that, you know... I don't feel like it's going to be the thing of like, you know, well, you're the medical officer, so all you're ever going to do is heal people. Yes, of course, the medical officer, you know, during maybe and after a fight is going to be patching people up. If you don't, if you're not into that, then don't be a medical officer. But I don't feel like that's the only thing that character can do. The same thing, you know, I don't feel like the only thing a security officer is ever going to do is beat people up. Uh, I don't know how they're going to tackle kind of where one thing I'm really interested in uh, is kind of how the characters are going to work with a starship crew. Um, I don't know what the dynamic for that's going to be. If it's going to kind of build things where it's like players are just members of the crew and you kind of like, as you rise in rank, 
you you gain more influence. Maybe there'll be like a, instead of an experience tree, there might be a um, a ranked a ranking system. I I don't know. You know, maybe you start off as like an ensign and or a cadet, and you like slowly work your way up to captain or admiral. Who knows? I don't know. Could be cool. I kind of like that idea. I that might be interesting to see. But like it'd be it's weird because like you know there is a command structure in Starfleet, so in a lot of role-playing games you're kind of like you're out on the the fringe and you can do whatever you want in this maybe you know if you if i was doing a game the game we did uh for star trek i basically put them in a position where we had one of them was the chief medical officer and one of them was just an engineer and he was basically we were supposed to have a few other people but they didn't show up for that game but i kind of tried to put them in positions where it would make sense for them to be involved in the command aspect of the ship because I don't want them to just feel like passengers. But, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to tackle that. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, so again, if you are a Star Trek fan, I really recommend this. I'm sorry if this was rambling, but I was excited about it. I was interested in it, and I wanted to get this into people's hands. Again, it's coming out. It's the Star Trek Adventures coming from Modiphius, uh, and definitely sign up for the playtest. Um... I'm trying to get my group together to play test this. I'd like to get them together this week to try it out. And uh, I might have some more thoughts for you then. So until next time, everybody, thanks for listening. Be safe. Play lots of games. Bye.